0: Welcome to NBA Unwrapped, episode 49. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by Christian McGowan. How are you doing?
1: Doing pretty good. Just want to say RIP Nipsey Hustle. I know if you are a fan, you caught that little snippet on the intro, but really hanging my head today. I know his funeral is tomorrow here, Thursday in LA. So uh, I know starting off on a sad note, but I just wanted to give props to a legend who passed away.
0: Yeah, I wanted to second that. I just wanted to say rest in peace to Nipsey Hustle, gone way too soon and tragic, just... The city's hurting right now. He, He was such a large figure in the community, giving back to Crenshaw, where he grew up, and for him to have his life taken away from him by someone that he was trying to help, it's just tragic and no words can really describe how the whole city of LA really is feeling right now. So we're gonna try to move on from that as best we can, going to talk about the Russell Westbrook 2020 game dedicated to Nipsey Hustle. Before we do, just want to remind you guys to go ahead and follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. Follow me on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped. Follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. And Perry, who I'm sure would have had a lot to say about Nipsey Hustle as well, isn't with us right now, but go ahead and follow him on Twitter at Perry Aston. Make sure to listen to our podcast either on the Apple iTunes Podcast Network or on podcast.com. If you are listening to it on the Apple iTunes Podcast app, please go ahead and give us a five-star review. It really helps us, helps us continue to grow our brand. And speaking of growing our brand, we want to make an announcement in case you guys haven't noticed on Twitter. We are no longer part of the Pulse Podcast Network. They actually dissolved and Since they've dissolved, we've actually had some of the podcasts, the sports podcasts that were in the Pulse Podcast Network have migrated over to be a part of the Unwrapped Sports Network. We have the Thunder Podcast, a Warriors Podcast. We have a Kentucky men's college basketball podcast. A a number
1: of them. We don't want to leave you guys out, but... A number of the Pulse podcasts have been integrated to Unwrapped, so we are going to be strengthening and expanding our brand, so there's a lot of exciting stuff coming soon. There will be a Partners tab on our website, and we will drive as much traffic to that as possible because we cannot cover every single team and every single niche, but our partners can, and they can go in-depth to your favorite sports teams and your favorite little niches that we only just touch on here at Unwrapped.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're trying to eventually accomplish. We want to have this be a community where you come to us whenever you want to hear about whether it's NBA news, NFL news, college football news, or if you just want to focus on your favorite team in any of those leagues then you come to us and we have everything you need so on that note if you haven't already go ahead and check out our website unwrappedsports.com continuing to grow with more and more contributors a lot of really good articles being written a lot of opinion based articles also some recaps on different games and now with seasons winding down in the nhl and nba i'm sure we're gonna have more of those coming in so keep an eye out on that with that let's get into this episode like i mentioned a few minutes ago want to start out talking about the 2020-20 game that Russell Westbrook... Unbelievable. Incredible. So, Russell Westbrook against the Lakers, I believe it was March 2nd or so. About a week ago. About a week ago. April 2nd. Or, yeah, April 2nd. Sorry. Okay. I, working I, I'm, hard in, over I'm here. in the wrong month. Yeah, it's it's been a long day. But, yeah, Russell Westbrook, 20 points, 20 rebounds, and I believe 21 assists to yeah. be exact. And that was something that had not been accomplished since Wilt Chamberlain back in the 60s. I forgot exactly what year it the was. but <laughs> A long, long time ago. And Russell Westbrook, I will say that this year, so this is the third year in a row that he has averaged a triple-double. It is the, he, the last player to ever average a triple-double once in a season was Oscar Robertson. And he did it for one year. Westbrook has now done it for three straight years, and I know that this year, Russell Westbrook, it seems like he's lost a little bit of just his overall impact in the games. He's not shooting the ball as well as he has in years past. His free throw percentage is down. But make no mistake about it, he still makes an incredible impact on every single game. He gives his 100% every single time he's out on the court, and as incredible as it might be, Seem we we take him for granted think about that his first year when he was averaging a triple-double that was all that anyone wanted to talk about he was clearly the MVP last year his second year averaging a triple-double I don't think he even started in the all-star game same thing for this year and it's just like it's not even really talked about anymore it's just oh yeah he's averaging another triple-double like that's what he's supposed to do that's insane Mm -hmm. think of all of the talented all of the incredible athletes that have been in the NBA. He's the only one to ever average a triple-double more than once, and he's done it three times in a row.
1: Yeah, that's a displayed excellence that, like you said, has never been never been done before. Oscar Robinson did it for one season. Yeah. Three seasons is just unbelievable. It's, I know he won't be in the conversation of GOAT, but when we talk about a three-year stretch of any oh. basketball player, Jordan, LeBron. This is the most impressive three-year stretch of any basketball player's career. Like it, And like you said, for him not to start in the All-Star game, it, it, it's, I don't know if it's Russell Westbrook fatigue or how, why he gets this bias against him, but it's undeserving, and I'll, I'll raise my hand and say that I'm someone who was not a fan of him in the past. But, I mean, shit, what if he does this for one more season and four seasons, five, like, yeah. I can't believe it.
0: I think, not to say that the two players that started over in the All-Star game and Curry and Harden weren't deserving, because they absolutely were, but I think that's part of the just the unluckiness of the draw that Russell Westbrook had, because Harden and Curry, for whatever reason, are much more popular than Russell Westbrook. Part of it might be because Westbrook is playing in Oklahoma City, Mm -hmm. whereas Houston and Golden State in Oakland, San Francisco area. They're just larger markets. Westbrook.
1: He's a less marketable personality.
0: Yeah, and he's someone who isn't as likable of a player as Curry. Harden, though, with the way that he plays basketball, there are a lot of people that just do not like him just because he depends so much on getting to the free throw line. So it's just interesting to see how we take him completely for granted. And, yeah, I... Completely agree with you Christian. I hadn't really even thought of it, but this three-year stretch I don't think you can name a different three-year stretch from any other athlete Maybe you could argue like Wilt when he was averaging 50 and 44 the other year but still just a triple-double being able to Impact the game in so many different ways the way Westbrook has it's unbelievable and I want to ask you really quickly before we move on what is more impressive to you? The fact that Westbrook has averaged a triple double in three straight years or his twenty 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 game?
1: Well, I'm going to go with the three straight years because displayed excellence is the most impressive thing yeah. to me in sports. While the twenty 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 one is very impressive and is the ultimate testament to his respect to Nipsey hustle, because, yes, he does force his stats sometimes, but he made that one game happen for that man. And to answer, like, to answer back to your question, it has to be the three seasons because that's never been done by a player, just like the 2021, but it takes night after night after night and at this point year after year after year to get to this point. So it has to be that. That's just I, – I can't even – I'm lost for words.
0: Yeah, I agree. The 2020-21 game, as impressive as it is. I don't want to say you can get lucky and have a game like that because you obviously need a ton of still a ton of skill to have a game like that in the NBA but sustained excellence 3 years of triple doubles is much more impressive in my mind than one game regardless of what that one game might entail.
1: No I agree and to talk about some people who had a impact on the game for many many years Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki have called it a career. Now, Dirk announced in his final home game that we were all kind of figuring yeah, the we, way he runs assume, and yeah. the way he looks that he is going to hang it up. He did it in the very Dirk way of you know announcing at the very end, no fanfare, no reunion tour, which is what Dwayne Wade got. And you get whatever you deserve when, when you've done what they've done and you, you deserve to go out whatever way you want. But to talk about their career statistics – Dwayne Wade finishes with 22 points per game, 4.7 rebounds at 5.4 assists. Tonight, in his final swan song, he scored 25 points, 11 and 10 against Brooklyn. Dirk, as a career, 20.7 points, 7.5 true rebounds, and 2.4. T- total, total rebounds. I know, it trips me up. And <laughs> 2.4 assists. Now, Dirk, obviously, he had a good uh, he had a 30-point game along with Wade in their last home game. Yep. And then uh, Wade tonight with that triple-double is just amazing. I know people were calling for him to give it one more year because he has been looking a little bit better coming in limited minutes. But as he said, is his he can't run with the Young Bucks anymore. His, his body's hurting. But I just want to take the time to congratulate these two amazing players. Next year, if Vince Carter comes back or not, after Vince retires, this will be the end of all players that were drafted in the 1990s. Vince Carter is the right. last one still and you're standing.
0: About with, Dirk and Vince.
1: with yes, Dirk is now gone with Vince, Vince being the last one. Next year, if not the year after, basketball is going to look completely different. With players only drafted in the 2000s. Yes, I understand. Shouldn't be a bias of younger guys, but me as a 23-year-old, the NBA just looks different than what, it, than what start, i'm used to you
0: start feeling older yeah
1: right i mean beyond the fact that i had to take pills every time i eat cheese <laughs> seeing the nba <laughs> seeing
0: i saw i saw christian have to take a pill after he had, had a pizza, whole yeah. large pizza i had a whole large pizza too but
1: yeah so we're, we're getting older but
0: i gotta eat better too
1: <laughs> things are changing and changes changes coming in the nba and it's it's sad to see but I'm so happy for these gentlemen. They get to enjoy the rest of their lives doing whatever they want. They've earned it. They have played at the highest level in the one of the hardest sports in the world. So they deserve, if they want to go start their businesses, if they want to go sip margaritas on an island for the next 40 years, do whatever you want. You have earned it.
0: Yeah. Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade both. We've spoke about it on past podcasts. We've compared them to each other. They both had incredible careers. There was an article that Bleacher Report had out, I think a month ago or so, detailing how they both kind of pushed each other to be better with Wade beating Dirk in the 06 finals and then Dirk coming back and beating him in the 2011 finals kind of fueled each other even more than they already were. Dwayne Wade, yeah, he's looked a little bit better lately, but he's still nothing close to what he was in his prime. And I just... I appreciate watching Dwayne Wade whenever I can, and I appreciated watching Dirk Nowitzki whenever I could, even towards the end of their careers, but when they get to this stage of their careers, I just don't like to see them continue to push themselves and just play just for the sake of being able to play. Dirk Nowitzki, I think, should have probably retired two, three years ago. Dwayne Wade, I think this is the perfect year to retire last year. He was in the playoffs with the Heat. He even had, I think it was a game winner last year against the Sixers. And I thought he definitely should have come back for one more year. But now it's just he had a great last game, 30 points in his home finale, following that up with a triple-double. It's time to just call it a career. And it's sad, too, because Dwayne Wade is one of the most exciting NBA basketball players that I've seen in my lifetime and being able to grow up he was drafted in 03 when I was 7 years old almost 8 years old so being able to see him and just see him grow and mature and him in his prime was unbelievable and I'll never forget watching Dwayne Wade in his prime and when Wade was with LeBron those first I think those first 3 years was Wade was still in his prime that fourth year he Started to have a little bit of a decline, but still, just Wade was one of the fastest players in the NBA when he was in his prime. And to be a six foot four shooting guard back when he was drafted, not a lot of shooting guards were six foot four. You had to be a point guard because six foot four just seemed a little bit too small. And I know the NBA is now going into an era where you want to have your point guards be around six four, six five, and just be able to switch everything. But Dwayne Wade, with as physical as he was, and as great of a defender as he was, him being six foot 4 didn't hurt him at all. He was incredibly athletic, weighed around 220, 230, so he could handle anyone that he needed to guard. And yeah, he's, I think you can say, inarguably, he is a top five shooting guard in the NBA, in NBA history. And you could make the case that he was the number three shooting guard in NBA history behind... Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, however you wanna rank those two. They're two both obviously ahead of Wade. I want to ask you really quickly before we move on. Paul Pierce made some headlines when he said well, that he he said that he was a better basketball player than Dwayne Wade. Do you is there any argument to that at all?
1: I think Paul they called him the truth for a reason. Paul
0: Paul Pierce was a good, very yeah. good except when he lied. Two nights ago on national television by yeah. saying he was better than Wade.
1: That was a lie, and it's it's sad because even from his retirement and you know beyond that, even from when Draymond Green called him out in his final season, <laughs> he, just, he just looks petty. He looks sad. He has a very good job commentating. I think he should stop making comments like this because at some point you're going to look so bad they're not going to want to see you on TV. And
0: I never wanted to see him on TV, uh, but, but I, I'm a Lakers fan,
1: and I get that, but. <laughs> It, it just looks petty. He's a grown man, and it looks sad. No, Dwayne Wade is much better than you. And even if there's someone who's in close contention with you that you played, like you're an you retired. Like I, as a former athlete, it doesn't matter anyone's skill level now because I, I have a job and I don't play football anymore. Does it doesn't matter if you're better or worse than me? I'm yeah. not. It's not. It's not a measuring contest. There's a point where you need to grow up, and it's sad. But it is. It is funny that it happens to a Celtic.
0: Uh, and not a Laker. (laughs) Part of the reason why NBA athletes, and especially exceptionally talented NBA athletes, are as good as they are is because they have this, I don't know if you want to call it an ego or a false, not really a false sense of confidence, because they are great players, but they think that they're better than everyone else, even if they clearly are not. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why Paul Pierce was as good as he was. That's part of why Dwayne Wade is as good as he is and as good as he was. I'm sure if you ask Dwayne Wade if he was better than some of the best players in NBA history, I'm sure he would probably say that he was, even though you he wasn't. wasn't. He, I'm saying like top 10. He's not top 10, but he is one of the best players in NBA history. But I'm sure he would say, yeah, I'm, I'm top 10, because you have to when you're at that level. But at the same time... No, Paul Pierce, you're nowhere close to as good of a player as Dwayne Wade. Offensively, you could make an argument it was close. Paul Pierce was a better shooter, but I'd say scorer overall, Dwayne Wade was a better scorer. He was much better defender. Yes, much, much better defender. But even offensively, he was a much better playmaker for others than Paul Pierce was. It's not close, and there's no argument to be made. So whatever Paul Pierce wants to say, cool, but you're not better than Dwayne Wade and nowhere close to it. Let's move on to some injury issues popping up for some of the Eastern Conference playoff teams. So, starting out with the Boston Celtics, Marcus Smart has a oblique injury and he could be out for up to the first two rounds of the playoffs. How do you see that impacting the Celtics moving forward? Do you think do you th- First of all, if Marcus Smart was healthy, do you think that they were going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals?
1: Now, need to think about that for a second. Okay,
0: what what about just the first round? So they're playing the Pacers in the first round. So I Celtics. think they're
1: they're through the first round.
0: And do you think they're through the first round even without Marcus Smart?
1: Yes. Okay. I think the second round is where they get into trouble. Now they're going to
0: play the rap or the uh, the Bucks unless. The uh, Pistons upset them.
1: So we're we'll, we we'll, we can get we're going to go on a playoff talk in, in the next podcast. But this is a huge blow to them. I know the Celtics have not looked good in general. I know we had the highest of aspirations for them going into the season. I thought now, they were
0: easily Eastern Conference favorites. Right.
1: So this is not good. I don't want to say this is the beginning of the end. But this, I mean, it's an untimely injury. Nothing was planned. Nothing like this. Is because the the way that they played, but it, it seems almost like the first domino to fall, and then you know they're going to get bounced. Hopefully not in the first round. It's definitely possible. I'm not saying it's without yeah. possibility, but say they get bounced in the first round, that's the second domino, third domino. Kyrie Irving leaves. Mm-hmm. I think there's some serious problems within the Celtics organization, and I know winning cures all wounds, but if they don't make it happen in the playoffs, I think they're in they're in threat level like black. Like they <laughs> are in. Oh, all hands yeah. on deck like we need to get something done so if
0: if they don't advance in the playoffs I don't see how Kyrie Irving stays I agree
1: I yeah they're 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 co- and for Brad Stevens he's coaching for Kyrie's life like he yeah. if he wants them to stay I think it takes Eastern Conference finals at least getting there for Kyrie to consider staying because I would
0: agree I think yeah. even if they get to the second round and get bounced by the bucks
1: does not it, look good and, and yeah even if he especially
0: especially after they took the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James to a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals last year without Kyrie or Gordon Hayward. Right. And now they get them back. And, if yeah, if you you fall short, come up shorter than you did last year, I don't see how you – I'd find it hard to believe that Kyrie stays.
1: No, I agree. I yeah. think that might be a discussion for another podcast with yeah. a free agency, yeah. but – they need to win as many games as possible if they want to keep Kyrie Irving in free agency, and that's just the least of their worries. Marcus Smart was a great player for them, and hopefully they get him back in time. But I know I misspelled tear on this page, but
0: he yeah, tore his that, oblique. That is not a. That's what that's what messed me up when I was reading. it. Yeah, okay, I know. I figured it out, but are you it, so
1: it uh, a torn oblique is not. It is not a light injury. I'm not sure which side of his body it's on, but the oblique it's. Right, you know, kind of right. Yeah, no, no, no they it's in are, your shoulder it, It's, in, in, it's case, in an area that mm, is not where yeah. you would want an injury. It's not the most pleasant area. So even if they get him back, this is an injury that is going to be lingering. It's something that's going to affect the way that he plays. So. Well, he's and
0: he's their defensive catalyst on the perimeter. He's the guy that they put on the best perimeter playmaker on the opposing team. The oblique, I'm not – the thing with Marcus Smart, so – Overall, I'd rather want an NBA player on my team to have an upper body injury over a lower body injury. He can still run and stay in shape while he's on the sidelines. But Marcus Smart is one of the most physical perimeter defenders in the NBA. So that's where I'm a little bit more concerned with him. Is is he going to be a little more, more scared to mm-hmm. test his oblique and be as physical as he usually is? Because he's not extremely fast he's not very agile part of why he is able to keep players in front of him is because he's physical with them and gets up on them if he has to back off a little bit and try to stay in front of them with foot speed it's not going to work and that completely changes the dynamic for the celtics and yeah it makes it a lot tougher for them and they're already going to have a really really tough test even the first round going up against the pacers
1: and i agree it's it'll be interesting first round in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I'm glad that they're doing better in general because we're going to get a... I know I kind of tuned out the East for the past <laughs> couple of years, so it's good to yeah. see them being relevant. So, Corbin, yeah, the next yeah. topic.
0: All right, so one other injury news with the Eastern Conference. So 76ers GM Elton Brand says, quote, it's possible that Embiid isn't ready for the playoffs, but he is, quote, optimistic that he will be ready for Game 1. So... This one I'm not as concerned about because it seems like even if Joel Embiid, he's been dealing with knee issues really for, ever. yeah, forever. But this year, ever since the All-Star break, I think he missed eight straight games after the All-Star break with mm-hmm. some knee injuries, and he's been on and off the court ever since. It sounds like if he does miss some time, it's only going to be a game or two. I think even if, as long as the rest of the Sixers are healthy, even without Joel Embiid, they should be able to take care of, they're going to be playing the Brooklyn Nets, so not too concerning. It's more just once he gets to the second round, if they get to the third round, is he able to play as many minutes as he usually does, and is he able to be as effective as he usually is, so that's something we'll see further down the road. but. I'm not too concerned right now. What about you, Christian?
1: Especially with the the new playoff format with the extended breaks. As long as they just get him healthy by the series that they need him for, and I think it would be the later games of the first round, if it does go to like a game six or seven, they should deploy him then. Yeah. If not, the second round, game one, and then allowing that extended break to get him through those series because his, his problem has been those like back-to-back games. It's been high high intensity because for those of you who don't know, when you get to that height and you do physical activities, those, those knee and foot injuries tend to linger and they tend to become problems even if you fully rehab it. They just become sore and they become hard to manage. So this is something that I feel like is always going to be Joel Embiid's case. But with – an easier round one matchup, I think that it's definitely doable, and I'm not going to put too much validity validity into it until I start seeing him out past the first round.
0: Yeah, and also with Embiid missing those eight games after the All-Star break and the games that he has missed since then leading up to the playoffs, we don't know how much of that is just precautionary versus he actually had to miss it because there. everyone knows there's a difference between how much a player is going to tolerate pain in the regular season versus the postseason. Exactly. Joel Embiid, I would imagine, just like pretty much any other player, if there's any way for him to play in a game in the playoffs, he's going to play. So that just is another reason why I'm not too concerned about his injury issues, but at least for this year. I mean, long term, it's a different story. But this year, hopefully he's okay. I want to see all the stars exactly. play in the playoffs.
1: I think the all the sponsors do, too. Yeah,
0: I'm sure let's move on to a star who is not going to be in the playoffs and Anthony Davis. So he showed up to the New Orleans Pelicans last game of the season last night wearing a shirt that said, "Quote, that's all folks." And that you can take it two ways. It could be a combination of both. One of them is obviously a slap in the face to the Pelicans organization and their fans basically saying I'm done here like this is the last time you're going to see me on the Pelicans bench. I'm going to be traded this offseason. And it also is kind of it's hinting at him maybe being in space jam too. That's all folks is something that the uh what is it the Looney Tunes or not Looney Tunes. I'm blanking out. Um completely blanking out <laughs> on it right now. Um that's something at that Warner Brothers though. No, you're right with Looney Tunes. Yeah, that's Looney Tunes? Okay. But, or yeah, Uncultured that's, Swine. Yeah, well, it's been a while since I've watched Looney Tunes, but I will be watching Space Jam 2. But yeah, that could be kind of, kind of a hint towards him being in Space Jam 2, but then that's also rubbing the Pelicans fans the wrong way because that's right. more him and LeBron James' connection with that. So, I don't know, that could have been two different slaps in the face. What do you think?
1: So it was reported that he, he said that he does not pick out his own clothing. He has someone else do it for him. Okay. Um, and I, I know I had made the comparison before the podcast. If you said so that's the case and your clothes designer gave you a shirt wearing an offensive symbol on it or something, like, you'd still be held responsible for what that shirt said. So uh, Anthony Davis went one year of college, so I, n- I know he has at least some intelligence about him. So you should at least put Any the shirt on and read between the lines things. of – What you've done publicly and what has been said, and I understand...
0: Anyone with an... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. No,
1: it's okay. With New Orleans fans' Twitter, do not take things lightly, hence the (laughs) Saints-Rams game and Anthony Davis wanting to be traded. So there is no love lost between this relationship. I don't believe it for a second that he did not purposely do it, and if not, he let it happen because you're a grown man, you make your own decisions, so... It kind of makes him look bad that he even had he should just came up and like yeah it is what it is like trade me
0: yeah even if someone does pick out his clothing and you mentioned steph curry pays i don't know how I exuberant much amount year. of money yeah for someone just to yeah. dress him you still anyone with an ounce of intelligence knows exactly why you would be wearing that shirt that says that's all folks and anthony davis if he didn't want to wear that shirt he could have just taken a different shirt I'm sure he has another shirt that he could have worn and I'm sure even if it wasn't his idea maybe his designer said hey do you want to wear this
1: right you signed off yeah
0: he signed off on it exactly so I'm not I'll buy his excuse that someone else dresses him but if he's trying to say I have no blame in this no it's completely completely his not fault but it was his choosing to wear that shirt. right
1: right be an adult So let's move on to a record that was broken the other night. The Rockets had 27 made three-pointers. As well, Harden is also the first player to average over 35 points and seven assists per game. So, Corbin, I just want to get your take on, first of all, the I'm trying to times 27 by three. I can't do it real quick. That's a lot of points to be made by a three-pointer. So I want to get your take first on the record being broke and then Harden's individual record.
0: Yeah, well, the Rockets broke their own record for three-pointers made. And the Rockets last year, I'm not sure if they did it again this year. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. But last year, they were the first team in NBA history to attempt more three-pointers than two-pointers. So if any team was going to break their previously held record, I would have guessed it would be the Rockets. But still, 27 made threes. That's 81 points? Yeah, that's 81 points, yep. I had to do that math. Neither one of us are too strong with math, but... we have calculator. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But tw- 27 made threes, that's over one three made every two minutes. And that's made. So you think about how many have I to be taken. Yeah. yeah, that just... That's crazy that they're putting up that many threes, but credit to the Rockets, their coaching staff, and their front office, that's how they want to build the team, and they've done a phenomenal job of doing right. that. They... Unlike some other teams, and we'll get into one team later on, don't think that we forgot about the Magic Johnson stuff. I cannot wait for us to get into that. But unlike some other teams, they have a set plan. They know exactly what they want their team to do. They don't want their team taking many mid-range shots. It's either layups slash dunks, free throws, or threes. And they do that better than any other team in the NBA so kudos to the Rockets for doing that. They are a very well-run organization. And, yeah, just credit to all of them. And James Harden, like you said, first player in NBA history to average at least 35 points, 7 assists a game. He also has a usage percentage of 40.5%, right? Right, that's crazy. So what goes into that? Yeah, so that is unbelievable. So usage rate is essentially, if a, a player's usage rate is calculated based on the percentage, or based on total possessions that a team has when that player is on the floor, and then the percentage of those possessions that end with either said player shooting the ball, turning the ball over, or getting to the free throw line. So I'm sure there are plenty of other possessions where if James Harden's averaging seven assists per game, there's plenty of other possessions where he might have the ball for the majority of the possession and then dish it off to someone else, get an assist. That doesn't even count towards his usage rate. It's just when he is the one either shooting the ball, getting the free throw line, or turning it over, and that's, that alone is over 40% of the plays for the Rockets when he's in the game. That's incredible. Normally if you get to a 30% usage rate that's considered very high. I think Kobe Bryant had a usage rate over 30% a few times in his career and that was you're asking a lot out of a player to do that much. Right. But to be above 40% that is incredible. Right and over f- a third. Yeah, and for he played 78 games this year so he stayed pretty healthy, only missed four games right. and for him to produce the way that he did I'm making a case from his MVP. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is the clear-cut MVP, but James Harden had an incredible year, and he's unfortunate that Giannis had the year he had with the Bucks, also winning as many games as they did. I saw a stat earlier, I think it was earlier today, that the Bucks they lost tonight to the Thunder, so they, I think, were tied for the third most wins in one regular season by double digits the 2016-2017 warriors i think led the nba history and then one of the chicago bulls teams had a higher higher total than the mm-hmm. bucks but that's incredible i mean right. you look you look at the bucks compared to the the 2016-2017 warriors team was absolutely stacked or yeah, i think it was the 2015-2016 when they won 73 but still absolutely stacked chicago bulls with michael jordan and scottie pippen absolutely stacked this team they have who i would say is the best player in the nba and giannis antetokounmpo but the rest of the team it doesn't to me it's not like it's oh my god this is one of the best teams in nba history so to be able to do that that's a very just very impressive stat and one that surprised me when i saw it right i think it's
1: a legendary feat james harden has solidified himself as a legend and
0: yeah, absolutely
1: i don't think they'll win the championship this year with their current constructed roster, but going back to the way that they play with the three pointers, that's why Carmelo Anthony really never fit in with them because the way his isolation jump shot two pointer let's call it two pointer basketball yeah, he liked just a lot of mid range shots. Too. Yeah, it, it it just doesn't fit into what they were doing, and he wasn't chubby enough and getting enough <laughs> rebounds to fit in at their bigger position. So, just makes so much sense to me more and more as we talk about their play style of why that happened so moving on to some space jam news kevin durant curry and harden are all unlikely to be in space jams too because of rival shoe deals and because of durant pursuing his own hollywood efforts so i understand that the report came out that lebron is having trouble finding stars to play alongside of him i know there are some jokes that came out that it'll be like Paul Pierce and Javal McGee <laughs> in Space Jams. No, that's not gonna
0: happen. Giannis already told TMZ he didn't wanna do it because he wanted to he didn't want to take two weeks away from training to go do that with LeBron and have to train with LeBron.
1: And it makes sense. And Giannis is also really embracing the no team up. I'm gonna make this happen by myself. I'm not gonna go recruit like self made superstar and, yeah, and I just you have don't...
0: to you have to really respect that too because oh, I do. especially the narrative Lately, ever since LeBron teamed up with Wade and Bosch in Miami in the summer of 2010, we've accepted it as just the norm of, okay, superstars are going to team up together in the offseason, even if they're not playing on the same team, but just training together. Mm -hmm. So for Giannis at 23 years old, because LeBron had or is having a full-court basketball court put onto the set of Space Jam 2 so that he can train while he's there. So Giannis still could have trained, but for him to say at 23 years old, No, I'm doing this on my own, like LeBron, Harden, Curry, Durant. You're the players that I'm trying to beat. I'm not trying to train Mm -hmm. with you and make you better. I'm confident in myself that I'm going to improve and become a better basketball player than you, and I don't want to help you get to a higher level than you would on your own.
1: No, I agree. And I think that some other stars will eventually matriculate in. I think so, too. I don't think it'll be like a Kawhi Leonard. I, I see... People not wanting necessarily to help LeBron but don't want to be associated with him. Because Space Jams is something that is notorious with Michael Jordan, and this will go a lot f- further and be remembered a lot more than some of these guys' basketball careers. Mm-hmm. And while, yes, I mean, James Harden's having an amazing year, but if you are in Space Jams, like that is something that you will be tied to for so much longer than. I you do forever. Yeah, because there's a chance he could not win a championship. But if you're in freaking Space Jam... Yeah. So- well, I
0: mean, Harden, he won an MVP. I think his legacy is pretty much solidified. But most of teams. the most of the players in the NBA, especially the elite players right now who are around Steph Curry, James Harden's age of 29, 30 years old, it they grew up on Space Jam, the original Space Jam. So it has to have some type of a special place in their heart and i'm not saying that harden or curry or durant is going to be in space jam 2 cuz it sounds like they're not but there's going to be other players other star players who are definitely going to want to carl anthony towns already came out and said he'd love to be in space jam 2 yeah and he's he's definitely a level below curry harden and durant but he's still a star player he you're getting star caliber into the motion picture and if you get carl anthony towns maybe it's the first domino to fall and then you can attract some other players so we'll see what happens with that the thing that really interested me the most in this report so stephen curry and james harden curry is with under armor harden is with adidas so that makes sense with the rival shoe companies even though i think it's stupid if they want to be in space jam 2 the them being on a different shoe brand shouldn't matter but Kevin Durant not wanting to be in Space Jam 2, he's a member of Nike just like LeBron, but not wanting to be in Space Jam 2 because he's, quote, pursuing his own Hollywood efforts. That stuck out to me the most. That made me think, first of all, I didn't have any hope that he was going to even grant the Lakers a meeting in the off season. but if anyone did, this pretty much says he's trying to do stuff on his own. He doesn't want to be attached to LeBron James. Mm-hmm. He's For so long, and Giannis, in my mind, has now overtaken both of them, or at least will for sure by the time the playoffs are over, but for so long, LeBron and Kevin Durant were clearly the top two players in the NBA, and LeBron was always number one, Durant was always number two, and in LeBron's shadows, so it makes sense. Durant doesn't want to continue to be in his shadows, because if he's on Space Jam 2, you know it's going to be oh this is LeBron's movie right. Durant's featured You're his sidekick. In. yeah exactly and I think he's just gotten tired of the narrative. I there's no way that he wants to play with LeBron in L.A. But him wanting to quote pursue his own Hollywood efforts, maybe there mm-hmm. is. I think this gives the Clippers maybe a little bit more hope if they want to read into it that look he's trying to, to do stretch. some more stuff in Hollywood. Yeah, but I think there's maybe a little bit of truth to it. Just mm-hmm. Depending, I don't know. Depending on the full report, you don't want to take anything out of context. The who I forgot who had reported on this, but they might have just been kind of categorizing everything that Durant is in under Hollywood efforts because the boardroom. Yeah, Durant's been and the boardroom. I don't. He doesn't need to be in Hollywood to do that. He's but just motion in a lot of, pictures. Yeah. And but I he's mean, in a lot of startups in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. He moved his media production company um, or his investment company to New York City, actually, which some people think points to him wanting to come to New York. I just think he does not want to be paired with LeBron James. He's trying to create his own legacy away from LeBron James, and it makes sense. For agree. Sure.
1: So we're going to move on to our last topic of the day, and that is the most important thing that happened on a night that had Dirk and Dwayne Wade that had all of these other things.
0: Uh, teams teams battling for playoff positioning, right. battling to be in the playoffs, to which seed they're going to be in the playoffs, and, yeah, Magic Johnson just nonchalantly, without letting Lakers owner Jeannie Buss know, without letting the head of PR for the Lakers know, without telling anybody, he just walks after Luke Walton, as he does before every Lakers game, he had his pregame availability to the media about an hour and a half, two hours before game time. He talks to the media, and when he's done, the media starts to clear out. They think it's over, and Magic Johnson says, Hold on a second, guys. i got to say something. Walks up. No one knows what he's going to say. And he just says, I'm going to be stepping down as the president of basketball operations for the Lakers. And Christian, we were both driving home from work when right. this happened. I got this alert on my phone, breaking Magic Johnson steps down as president of basketball operations. I immediately called you. You could not believe it. I couldn't believe it either, but I was—I still am lost for words. i We're going to get into what this means for the Lakers in a second, but... I never in a million years would have thought that Magic Johnson would do this, and especially on the last day of the regular season for the Lakers. An hour and a half before they take the court for the last time this season, he says he's stepping down.
1: It's unbelievable. It's very Magic Johnson-esque. It's very, uh, he came as quickly, he left as quickly as he came. It's so bizarre and I know if you really look at it and you take a step back it really isn't that weird that he had done it because he really has done such a horrible job but the timing is weird the when you looked at it and you we talked about this yesterday when you think of Rob Polinka, Magic Johnson or Luke Walton going into this week you thought Luke Walton was for sure gone Magic and uh, Rob Polinka are are, are, you know going to be focal points going forward and
0: I thought there was a at least a decent chance Rob Palenka would be gone too. But yeah, I thought out of the three of them, Luke was gone for sure. Palenka, decent chance and magic. No No. way. Now, after what's happened with magic stepping down, there's a report now that Rob Palenka is going to keep, if not gain more power in the Lakers organization. I hope to God, that's not the case because as bad of a job as magic Johnson did, Rob Palenka might've done an even worse job. And Luke Walton, as ironic as it is, I, he is in the best situation out of any of them. Magic's obviously gone. Palinka was kind of tied to the hip with Magic Johnson, even though there were reports that Magic was getting ready to fire Rob Palinka, and Genie Bus didn't want him to do that. But Magic also was getting ready to fire Luke Walton. There was a report from Adrian Wojanowski that the Lakers coaching staff was fully prepared to be fired after last night's game. Obviously, with what happened, they weren't. And there was also a report that Magic Johnson was getting... Magic Johnson said in his uh, press conference, basically someone asked him if he was going to make a decision on Luke Walton, and he said, yeah, I was completely prepared to do that, meaning he was ready to fire him, and that Genie Bus gave him the power. But the reasoning that Magic Johnson had, part of it was that he felt like and this is the part that really infuriates me, not just with Magic Johnson, but with Jeannie Bus as well, is that he felt like because Jeannie Bus had such a strong connection to Luke Walton, and a lot of that is because Phil Jackson, who went out with Jeannie Bus for about 15 years, they were engaged at one point before the engagement was called off. Phil Jackson said that Luke Walton, Bill Walton might be Luke Walton's dad, or might yeah might be Luke Walton's dad but Luke Walton is Phil Jackson's son that he never had. They were extremely close. Luke Walton I think still to this day talks to Phil Jackson regularly, asks him for tips going through his coaching seasons and Genie Bus grew a connection with Luke Walton because of that and also just because Luke Walton's a nice guy and they formed a strong bond, but I think a lot of it also had to do with the fact that Phil Jackson and Luke Walton were so close. So part of it is just nostalgia, Jeannie Bus holding on to the memories that she had with Phil Jackson and with Phil Jackson and Luke Walton. But for Magic Johnson to feel like he would devastate Jeannie Bus so much by firing Luke Walton that gets me upset that Magic Johnson, who was brought in to be the president of basketball operations and do what's right for the franchise, wouldn't prioritize that over hurting someone's feelings, who he's incredibly close to. But also the fact that Jeannie Buss couldn't after, especially after she let her brother Jim Buss go, fired him and how close, they weren't very close to begin with even before he was fired. Jim Buss had done stuff with giving Mike D'Antoni the head coaching position instead of Phil Jackson back in 2013 when they had the Dwight Mayer season. But still, that was Jeannie Buss's brother. And for her to be able to realize Jim Buss is not doing what's in the best interest of the franchise and be able to fire him, I thought that was a turning point for the Lakers. I agree. But then she goes right into hiring Magic Johnson as the president of basketball operations, which... Didn't make very much sense, but you didn't. Magic Johnson had never been a president before. You could tell it probably wasn't going to work out, but maybe there was a little bit of hope. But after what happened, I find it ironic that in Magic Johnson's whole time as president of basketball operations for the Lakers, when he was hired as the president, there were no reports beforehand that this might happen. Magic Johnson was brought on as an advisor to Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak, and then three weeks later, just out of the blue one morning, Magic Johnson is hired as president. Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak are out. Magic Johnson sits down at his press conference, says, we're going to tie down on all the leaks coming out of this organization. You're not going to hear anything being leaked through the front office. You're not going to hear all these different media reports. The entire time he is the president of basketball operations for the Lakers, it's just leak after leak. Rumor. Yeah. And it's not even it's not even like they were coordinated leaks. It's not even like there was a strategy behind it. It's just, oh, one report's coming out this way, one report's coming out this way. And you could completely tell who which reporters were sourced into who. Ramona Shelburne is very close with Jeannie Bust. Stephen A. Smith is very close with Magic Johnson. Bill Oram of The Athletic is very close with Luke Walton. So you would be able to tell based off of that where the information is coming out of, but they were never in sync. And then there was that report that came out earlier yesterday, I believe it was by Bill Oram that Magic Johnson and Luke Walton had not talked in, quote, weeks leading up to yesterday. I don't care if Magic Johnson is... First of all, if Magic Johnson's thinking about resigning as president. He needs to let people know ahead of time. But as your president of basketball operations, I don't care if you're getting ready to fire Luke Walton the day after the game's end or right after the last game is played. You need to be in constant communication with your coach. Why? You still have decisions to make on different players in the organization going forward. They have a lot of free agents that are they're going to need to decide on. You need to be in constant communication with Luke Walton for the very least just to understand how different players are interacting with each other, how they're interacting with the coaching staff, which players are a good fit in the locker room, which ones aren't. And that's stuff that can change from day to day too. If a player is having a slump, how does he react on those days versus on days where a player is having a great stretch of a few games, how does he act in the locker room? Is his presence better? His demeanor better? All of that stuff that you will never know unless you talk to Luke Walton, because whether it's the GM or the president of basketball operations, you are not talking to all of your players on a day-to-day basis. The head coach and the rest of the coaching staff is, and you need to talk to them. And I went off on a tangent. Wow, but, that was powerful. <laughs> that was like my but, priest. That but was just- I just find it very ironic that when Magic Johnson comes in as the president, there's no leak, no rumor that this might happen. And when he leaves as the president, no rumor, nothing that he's even considering this. But for the two years in between, it's just rumor after rumor. And I just find it incredibly ironic. And it's just disappointing that Magic Johnson wouldn't talk to anyone right. in the Lakers organization just to, at the very least, let them prepare for this.
1: Yeah, it was super unprofessional. I know Colin Coward had talked about how it, it seemed like he had just thought about this on a yeah. uh, spur of the moment. Even his press conference was very impromptu. It was not well thought out. He rambled a decent amount of it. I could barely even pay attention, but I, I'm glad. you know, if, if he's the type of person who's going to do this, I want him out of our organization. And Jeannie really needs to take a step back. I hope she fires Rob Polinka, Luke Walton. I really hope so. Well, and I'm just going to finish my point real quick. That she needs to hire a shooting coach, a head coach. She needs to look outside of the Lakers sphere. I'd be okay with that. Yes. But if they want to look inside the Laker, the Lakers fandom or Laker, like the Laker family. trilogy, yeah. whatever, there is a man across the hall <laughs> who could come over and do a lot of great things. I'm talking about Mr. West himself. Yes, Jerry West. It would take a lot. I don't know how the logistics of these things work because it's not a promotion for him. Well, so. no,
0: if, if he became the president of basketball operations, which I just think Jerry West at 80 years old, he doesn't want to take on that type of a role. But if, it's but, going, if he's going to do yes, it? but he's an advisor for the Clippers. So even though he's under contract with the Clippers, if he took the president role for the Lakers, he could leave right away because it's a promotion.
1: So that is a – I'm so glad that you talked about that rule because <laughs> that is how the Lakers will get – I know you talked about uh, the Toronto Raptors. and uh, can't his last oh, name. Oh,
0: Masai Ujiri.
1: Masai Ujiri. It, that would take some political flexing for him to become the Lakers yeah, GM. Because- I'm just going to go over some candidates right now. Because, that,
0: because he's already the president exactly. of basketball operations for the Raptors, so it wouldn't be a promotion, okay. it would just be...
1: But Wes could, because he holds a position that is a consultant that is... I mean, he could go to GM, but that's a lot of hands-on work for him. I yeah.
0: Think. President
1: of the Lakers, when you think about his past, it just fits well, So he was,
0: he was the GM for the Lakers right. from 1982 to 2000. He resigned like five days after they won the first championship of the 3 with Shaq mm-hmm. and Kobe. Interesting also is that his son, Ryan West, is the, I believe it's the director of scouting for the Lakers right now, and he's done a phenomenal job. The past five, six years since the Lakers have been in this stretch of just horrible basketball, it has not been his fault at all. He's found diamonds in the rough later on in the draft. They've made the right decisions for the most part at the top of the draft. I thought Ryan West should have been promoted to GM when Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss were let go. They ended up going with Palinka and Magic Johnson. Okay, Uh, I didn't agree with it back then. I certainly don't now. But Ryan West, so Ryan West and I believe it's Joey Buss, they kind of co-head up the scouting department. The reason why you would promote Ryan West over Joey Buss is because Joey Buss is actually in charge of the uh, Lakers G League team, and they've been very good for the last, ever since he started running it. And I know it's the G League, not the NBA, but still, it takes a certain talent to be able to maintain a team, whatever level it might be, and keep them talented. Right. And the reason why you would promote Ryan West over Joey Buss is because Joey Buss is a part owner of the Lakers. He's not going anywhere. Right. He can do just as much of the day-to-day work and everything that he's been doing, he can do as much as he wants to do, regardless of whatever title he has. Whereas Ryan West has done such a great job, if you pass over him again for the GM position, assuming Rob Palenka is fired, even if he's not hired as a GM somewhere else, he could be hired, he could want to leave somewhere else just because he feels like he's done such a good job with the Lakers, which he has, and if they keep looking over him, if I'm Ryan West, why do I want to stay here? Exactly. They've made it clear they don't value me enough to promote me for all the good work I've done simply because I'm not part of the Laker family, quote-unquote. Even, even, yeah, even though his dad was a Lakers all-time great, he himself was not a great Lakers player or coach or executive at any time, and they just don't want to take a chance on it. But I completely agree with you, Christian they need to look outside of the Lakers organization because Jerry West, and I'll let you have a turn in a second. Sorry. It's okay. Keep that energy going. Go. (laughs) So Jerry West, I would love for him to be the president of basketball operations, even though I think that's just putting a temporary Band-Aid on everything because Jerry West is 80 years old, so you don't know how much longer he's going to be able to do what he wants to do, even if he wants to right now. I mean, health concerns can come up. But if you do have him for a few years, maybe that's enough to be able to change the entire culture because he went into the Clippers organization and completely changed the culture in a year.
1: They're a playoff team.
0: Yeah, and they should not be. You look at that roster, they should not at all. But he knows how to make a championship-level culture. He did it when he was with the Lakers. He left the Lakers to go to the Grizzlies as their GM. What happens? They make the playoffs two years in a row. First time in franchise history that they make the playoffs. He leaves the Grizzlies to go to the Warriors, builds a dynasty there. He is the reason why Clay Thompson was not traded for uh, I be- well, for Kevin Love, and then also I believe why Stephen Curry wasn't traded for Dwight Howard when Dwight Howard was available back before the uh, 2012 and 2013 seasons. Otherwise, those two would have been traded. The Warriors, as we know today, never exist. He just he has an eye for the game, unlike anyone else. He in my mind, is the greatest general manager, greatest basketball mind, front office mind in NBA history. I'm not going to say that Red Auerbach was, because when he was the coach, there were eight teams, so a lot easier to win a championship. But the reason why I don't think he would ever come to the Lakers, or why the Lakers would never hire him, when before Magic Johnson was hired, and even after Magic Johnson was hired as the president, Jerry West made it be known he wanted to come back to the Lakers and Just be an advisor. Magic Johnson said no. Jeannie Buss said no. That they wanted to have younger people running the organization. That Jerry West was kind of a has-been, even though he obviously was not. But the bigger thing was that Jerry West, when he did resign as GM of the Lakers after the 2000 season, part of why he resigned was the growing tension between him and Jeannie Buss, who at the time did not have nearly as much control as she does now because... Jerry Buss was still alive and well and was running the team, but Jerry West did not approve of Jeannie Bus and Phil Jackson having a romantic relationship while Phil Jackson was the head coach and Jeannie Buss was a part owner. And it's it, it's understandable. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Obviously, we don't know what was going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. If I think it's fine to have that relationship, but do Above not board. Yeah, but do not let that spill into the day-to-day stuff yeah. at all. So that was something that rubbed Jeannie Buss the wrong way, though. So I just don't see her ever wanting to bring Jerry West back in, even if Phil Jackson isn't part of the organization. But I think
1: this is time for Jeannie Buss to get outside of what she's done. Please. And she please. needs to do something. And if
0: that's not bringing West Griffin,
1: do something. Yeah, David Griffin. You have LeBron James for three, maybe a fourth and fifth year. Maybe pray to God, Jesus. He has three <laughs> years, I think, of elite basketball left. Elite, elite if, basketball if left that. in him. If Good. that. We have enough assets to make a championship team when the Warriors break up this next year. There is room for the Lakers to capitalize, but it needs to happen now. LeBron James fell in our lap. We need to do something with him.
0: Yeah, and you said it very well when you said he pretty much fell in the Lakers' lap. I think having Magic Johnson as the president of basketball operations... Helped. Getting LeBron James, that was the only thing really where Magic Johnson actually helped with anything, but a lot of people want to compare and say that if the Lakers didn't have Magic Johnson and if they had just kept Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak, they never would have gotten LeBron James. I I actually agree with that. I think he would not have come because Matt or Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak were so bad towards the end, but it's not comparing the two because... It's not like they only could have had Magic or Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak. They could have hired someone else instead of Magic to replace Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak. And I think that the majority of qualified candidates for that position at that time, if they had been brought in, they would have been able to close the deal on LeBron James. Because when Magic Johnson went to go meet with LeBron James at 9 p.m. when free agency started last summer... It was essentially done deal. Magic Johnson just needed to not screw it up. He didn't need to sell LeBron on coming to Los Angeles and playing for the Lakers. LeBron had already sold himself. It was, he wanted to hear what Magic Johnson's plan was, and as long as it wasn't stupid, he was going to come. Thankfully, it wasn't stupid because Magic's done a lot of stupid things since then. But yeah, you could have had a different front office executive back then. Now is their chance once again, and you brought up they need to have a shooting coach, regardless of if they fire Luke Walton or not. It's still, I don't understand why they don't have a shooting coach. That was the first thing when I told my dad, Magic Johnson stepped down. He said, okay, well, the next president of basketball operations better make sure they have a shooting coach. That is that is the right. easiest thing to accomplish. Right. In you football, can, if you have a quarterback, you buy quarterbacks a quarterback's coach. coach. Yep. And in basketball, when you, you literally... yeah You one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA and you literally, your games depend on making baskets, which means you need to be able to shoot the basketball, get a coach who is dedicated to shooting. And I know that the Lakers coaching staff, they had coaches who would help their players with shooting, but they were not a dedicated 100% of their time going towards shooting. So that's something that definitely needs to change. I agree they need to find... they. Even if they do end up hiring someone who has ties to the Lakers organization, that's fine. I'm more interested in them going through the whole process. I'm more interested in seeing how the whole process works out. Not just, okay, this guy is part of the Lakers family. Do you want to be the president? Instead, actually take the time to find the right candidate. Interview enough people to where you can make an informed, educated decision and make a smart decision. You mentioned David Griffin. I think he would be an excellent fit as the president of basketball operations. He did a tremendous job with the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron James was there and they won the title. Another play, or another name that comes up, obviously Masai Ujiri, but like we talked about, it would be harder to get him because he's already president of the Raptors. But Bob Myers, who's the GM of the Warriors, there was a report when Magic Johnson was originally hired as the Lakers president that the Lakers were interested in getting Bob Myers as their GM. He was already the GM of the Warriors. He wasn't going to leave the Warriors situation to come to the Lakers. But you offer him a promotion to President of Basketball Operations, and as bad as the Lakers have been these past six years, make no mistake about it, this is still the most desirable job that any front office executive could have. I agree. So I think the options... There are plenty of options out there, it's just a question of will the Lakers actually open their minds up and take the time to explore all of their options and not just be narrow focused on, okay, what can, we, what can we sell back to the fans as, oh, this is someone who you have appreciated while they were a player for the Lakers, now we're bringing them back to be the savior as the uh, president, because obviously that didn't work this past time with Magic.
1: Lakers need to make smart decisions, not emotional decisions. And we have the talent and the money and the current assets to make things happen. It's just we need to stop shooting ourselves in the foot and going five steps forward and taking six steps back. It's annoying, it's counterproductive, and I'm tired of
0: it. And they've had so many opportunities to right the wrongs that they have done in the past, but they just keep making more and more mistakes. And really quickly before we wrap up, just one other thing in the explanation that Magic gave was that his businesses are quote booming, but he needs to devote more time towards his businesses. Okay, that's understandable, but did you really not know how much time you would need to devote towards your businesses two years ago when right. you took this job? Magic Johnson's an incredible entrepreneur. He is one of the probably the most successful businessman to ever come out of the NBA as a player. You could argue Michael Jordan, but I think Magic Johnson's just diversified himself more. But for him to take the job two years ago and not be able to just have uh, be, have an honest moment with himself where he just thinks about all of this, if he couldn't devote enough time, and maybe part of it was he just didn't understand how much time would need to go into being the president, mm-hmm. but honestly, if he would have just not micromanaged and let everyone in their positions do their jobs and be able to delegate stuff to other people, he didn't need to be in the Lakers offices every single day. He was viewed as an absentee executive, which is fine. That's what I expected when he became the president. I was pretty much thinking that as long as Magic Johnson can just not have any tampering stuff happen, which he couldn't do, yeah, and just learn the CBA, learn what he can and can't tweet, what he can and can't say, and really only be present in however many meetings he needs to just have an understanding of how the team is doing and the direction they want to go in and then when free agency hits just be the charismatic person that he is the incredibly smart intellectual that he is being able to sympathize with other people's thoughts and emotions and use that to sell himself and sell the lakers that would have been beautiful but he didn't want to do that he wanted to be gone from the organization for a good chunk of time Adrian Wojnarowski even tweeted that Magic was almost never there. He, and Wojanowski, that's another thing that he kind of has an axe to grind with Magic Johnson because he's been pretty much shut out of the Lakers organization from getting any leaks for whatever the reason is. But Magic Johnson would not be in the Lakers facility very often. But then when he would show up, instead of listening to the people who were there 24-7, he would use the limited knowledge that he had on whatever subject they were talking about to make decisions without really listening to other people. Case in point was the draft last year when the Lakers scouting department, Ryan West and everyone else who's done such an incredible job, they had a few wing players that they wanted the Lakers to take. I believe one of them was Landry Shamet, who's now on the Clippers and I think, if not already, will be one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA by next year and in two years. Magic didn't want to listen to them. He had seen Mo Wagner play in the NCAA tournament. He thought he looked really good, and he wanted him on the Lakers. And Mo Wagner, he got off to a slow start because of knee injuries, but he has done nothing this year. I just, I'm... A waste of a first-round
1: draft pick that we got from Cleveland. Yeah,
0: and I'm glad that this is hopefully... uh, The Magic stuff is behind us now. I just hope that the Lakers take this opportunity to right the wrongs that they have created for themselves and that they can just find the right executive to steer the ship in the right direction and get them back to where they need to be. And just, yeah, there's so many executives that would love this job. Just please don't blow it, Lakers.
1: And just you're on the one yard line, just put the ball in the end zone. You have LeBron, you have assets, and you're not owing any picks to anyone else
0: anymore. I want to ask you really quickly before we wrap this up. Stephen A. Smith had said that Kyrie Irving was going to grant the Lakers a free agency meeting this summer. That was before Magic resigned. Mm -hmm. Do you think he still grants the Lakers a meeting? Yes,
1: that has more to do with LeBron James than I think Magic Johnson.
0: I think so too. I think it also just depends on who they hire as the president, but as long as it's not a dumb hire, which I can't say with 100% certainty it won't be. Don't put your life on that. I, I never would, but I'm hopeful it won't then, yeah, I think it's pretty likely if he was going to meet with them, he still will. Because, again, it's more having to do with LeBron. If they hire David Griffin as president, that I would imagine only helps the situation. Griffin actually left as the... or his contract was not renewed before Kyrie was traded. Kobe Altman came in as the GM and actually traded Kyrie, so... You
1: know, love, there is yeah. still a good relationship there.
0: Yeah, yeah. They kind of mended it up. But Alright, so that's all we have for episode 49 of NBA Unwrap. Thank you guys all so much for listening. I had a really fun time, especially talking right. about the Lakers stuff. If you guys, I looked at Corbin probably for like ten <laughs> minutes. I looked at my watch. I was like, <laughs> I love it though. When Corbin
1: gets on his soapbox, especially about the Lakers, it is honestly like fine one. I love it.
0: <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as well. Make sure to follow us on Twitter again at NBA Unwrapped. Follow me on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped. Follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan seventy five. And even though Perry isn't here, make sure to follow him on Twitter, at Perry Aston. Again, you can listen to our podcast either on podcast.com, that's podcasts, plural.com, or the Apple iTunes podcast app. If you are listening on the iTunes podcast app, please go ahead and give us a five-star review. Really appreciate it, and it really helps us just continue to grow our brand. If you haven't looked at our website yet, go ahead and do that. We got... A lot of articles up on UnwrappedSports.com and more coming in. And if you're listening to this and you run your own podcast or you're interested in running your own podcast and you want a network to kind of help you out and help you grow, go ahead and get in contact with us. DM us on Twitter, whether it's through our NBA Unwrap page, one of our personal pages, the Unwrapped Sports Twitter page. However you guys want to, we'll be happy to help and happy to figure out a way to make it a win-win situation both for us and for you. So with that, that does it for this episode. Thank you guys again, and make sure to tune in next time where we're going to be talking about the playoffs and give our predictions.